Hello, City Hope. Everybody good? Everybody awake? Everybody excited that school's back? Okay, you're not convincing me at all. Not at all. Well, it's good to see you. I want to welcome the Mobile campus, Foley and Baymanette. Uh, thank you for being with us this weekend, and also all the guys at the correctional facilities. We're so glad that you are part of our services. So, uh, many of you may not know, but a couple weeks ago we were in uh, Russia doing some teaching and training with pastors. Had a lot of people ask me about that, and so the first Wednesday in September, we'll start first Wednesdays back. I'm going to be sharing with that on that a little bit about the Russia trip, and also, actually, the pastor from Russia will be here speaking and sharing his story about life before the wall and after the wall and how he found God and what's going on in his world of over 400 churches. So uh, you, you don't want to miss that. That's coming up on September the 6th. Also, at the end of September, we have our second Race for Hope. It's a 5K, and there's a kid's part in it. It's just a lot of fun. Last year, we had over 600 people there. We had a wonderful time. So I encourage you to do that. If you can't run, you can walk. If you can't walk, just we'll, we'll pull you around, whatever it takes. But be part of that. Get the kids there. We have a wonderful family time, and it's in the heart of old Daphne. And so uh, we have a great time. Hope you sign up for that. Well, we started this series last weekend, This Is Us, and Trey talked about the realities of marriage uh, in the natural. This weekend, I want to talk about the realities of marriage in the spiritual. I know you've noticed that our nation is going through a tough time. In fact, the spirit of our nation has changed dramatically in the last decade. It's a different world, and it's not all for good. And we're seeing people who don't believe the Word of God becoming very strong in their belief in not believing the Word of God. This is also a unique time because the spirit of sin is the prevailing sin in our culture. So if you're in rebellion against God, you have a huge support group. But if you're going to live for God and stand up for what the Bible says, you'll be ridiculed. And here's why. Jesus Christ and our culture are on a collision course. In the book of Genesis where it says a man shall leave his father and mother and join to his wife, the two are united as one. With those words comes the ordination of marriage. Everything of value and greatness sits on that base. This represents the very foundation of the human social order. When the marriage structure is weakened and are, are undermined, the entire superstructure begins to wobble. So we may be looking at other things, but the, the structure, the bottom, the foundation of it, is one of the reasons we're in the condition we're in. And, and honestly, without a miracle, marriage, a family, as it has been designed from the beginning of time, is going to crumble. In other words, we, if we, we, we lose the war if we lose the battle in marriage. So what do we do? The next generation is hanging in the balance. Well, marriage is only as good as its foundation. And God created the institution of marriage, so we partner with him to fulfill his plans for marriage. And you know, every single day, you can see the deterioration of our society and our culture worldwide. So what I'm saying is in these days, Christ and culture are colliding, and we have to make choices. These choices are becoming more and more important. You can't just ignore them. You can't just say, well, I'm going to wait. They're very important. So what do we do? We have to choose. We have to choose what the Word of God says, or we have to choose to follow what the culture says. 
The reason marriage relationships are not working today is we don't have them defined at God level. We have them defined at the world level, and, 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 and which is a contract mindset. A God kind of relationship, his level of, of relationship in marriage is called covenant. And I want us to understand the concept of covenant because if we do redefine our marriages on the God kind of level, you will have God kind of success and blessings at every season of your marriage. And if you hadn't been married long enough, let me tell you, you will have seasons, okay? Uh, next week, my wife's here. Next week, right? Next week, 44 years. 44 years. Seasons. There's seasons. And so you can literally be blessed and be successful in every season. You know, there are countries today that have adopted marriage license that have term limits. So they don't have divorce now. You let your license expire and you just don't renew them and you're out of the marriage. Society has given up hope on the concept of marriage. A contract means we protect our rights, but we limit our responsibilities. The American way is, oh, we have rights, but that's not the God way to have a marriage. In a contract, we have all the benefits of marriage, but we can keep our selfishness and our lifestyle of selfishness. And, and, and if you've been burned in the past by a marriage, then you go into another one, then you, you've got this way of escape to get out of that one. But a covenant is we give up rights. Today, we push back on that because we don't want to give up our rights until we see something on the other side. In covenant, we give up our rights and pick up our responsibilities. A covenant says, I'll enter into this, and I'm willing to sacrifice to the point of death to meet your needs. So I don't think we value marriage like God does, nor do we understand marriage the way God intended us for un us to understand. So I want to kind of start with something to show you just a few words that are very important. In Genesis 1, verse 26, you know the story. Then God said, let us make man in our own image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds over the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female and he created he created them then look at this then god blessed them he blessed them and then he gave them a purpose he said to them be fruitful multiply fill the earth subdue it have dominion over the fish of the sea over the birds of the air where every living thing that moves on the earth the first thing that happened to marriage was the blessing of god this starts in genesis genesis means origins or beginnings in the very first chapter the very beginning of marriage there was a pronouncement of god's blessing over that marriage listen god never intended for marriage to function without his blessing and we know today that many marriages in america are not blessed and therefore our nation is not as blessed as it should be because families aren't experiencing the blessing but know that every family can experience the full blessing of God, the same God that pronounced it over Adam and Eve. God is always ready to break off a, a, a curse or, or, or break anything off of a, a, a generational thing for the blessing to come on. And it's not just returning the blessing, he's returning the full blessing, which is the new covenant. So the origin of marriage was a blessed union between a man and a woman because it pleased God. But, but why did God bless Adam and Eve? And then why did he take it away from them in chapter 3 in Genesis? Why did he withdraw the blessing? See, the foundation of every society is marriage. God created it in the very beginning. So watch, God blessed marriage. God blessed the foundation. It's the foundation. 
The word blessed means to endue with power for success, prosperity, futility, and longevity. So that means that God put his spirit on that marriage. He empowered their marriage for them to succeed in every single thing they did, to succeed and prosper financially and to be fertile, but not just in her womb, but also to reproduce in other areas of life and live a long life. Whatever they do, it's going to be blessed. It's going to prosper and live a long life. That's what God wants to do with you. He wants to put the power of God through his spirit on your marriage so that everything you do succeeds and prospers and multiplies and you live a long life. Anybody want to sign up for that? 22 people do. The rest of you might as well go home. I mean, come on. The blessing of God is not simply a pronouncement, watch, that God makes over a marriage the blessing of God is the participation of God in the marriage. In the garden, it wasn't just Adam and Eve. It was Adam and Eve and God. He was walking with them. In other words, he was an active participant in their marriage. So the blessing of God means that God is going to participate in every area of your marriage so that everything you do can be blessed, from your job to your children to your health, all of it. Look at the next verse, verse 31 in Genesis 1. Then God, and then God saw that everything he made and indeed, it was very good. This verse comes right after the blessing on the marriage. God's blessing comes on marriage when marriage is according to the original plan. God cannot improve the marriage he created in Genesis 1. So when we build a marriage or we rebuild a marriage to God's original plan for marriage, God returns the blessing. But the blessing of God came off the marriage in Genesis 3 because Adam and Eve rejected the plan of marriage. So why do some marriages seem to be blessed and some are not blessed? Well, God's not a respecter of persons. He'll bless any single person that honors his plan for marriage. He, we can look around today and, and, and we know there are people not being blessed. They may be going to heaven, but their life on this earth is not blessed. Their marriage is not blessed. Their household's not blessed. It's just like there's not a blessing there. And God is a merciful God, and some of you listening know this, but you're not experiencing that blessing. You're, named, you're, you're married, you have a home, you have children, you have family, whatever, but you're not experiencing the blessing. And yeah, okay, you've made some mistakes, but know that our God is a forgiving God, and know that Jesus died on the cross for you to be blessed. The reason he died on the cross was to return the full blessing. He paid for it, it's for you, it's for me. And if you leave here and say, I'm not going to do one single thing he said, I don't agree with a guy. I'm not going to do it. I want you to know there will never be an instant in your life where God is, is not going to love you because you can't escape the love of God. Nothing you can do can separate you from the love of God. But listen to this. Every blessing in the Bible is conditional. There's not one place in the Bible where God says, oh, I don't care what you do. Go ahead, I'll bless you. That sounds like, never mind, I won't say that. Sounds like our, our culture, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, just do whatever you want to do. We'll bless you. That's not what God says. Give, and it'll be given to you. You have to give. He says, forgive the sins of others, and my heavenly Father will forgive your sins. You, you've got to forgive. He, he said, you confess through your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. But you have to believe, you have to confess it, you have to say it. Every promise has a condition to it. So there will never be a moment in time that God doesn't love you but there's a difference between love and blessings. There's a difference. So if you look at your marriage and you say, well, I'm not so blessed in this area, not so blessed in that area, well, you're loved as much as anybody listening to me, anybody you're sitting by, you're loved as much. But blessings come through obedience. 
And the blessings of God come by putting your faith in God. There were three original conditions put on marriage in Genesis 1. In Genesis 3, they have broken all three of them. Most people today are breaking those conditions. And even though God loves you, he'll forgive you, and even though God will return the blessing on any marriage, you have to meet the conditions. If you don't meet the conditions, the blessing can't return. So I want to look at the conditions for blessing. There's three of them. Here's the first one. Respect for the spiritual nature of marriage. Please listen to me. Blessing is a spiritual force. Blessing is a spiritual force that comes from the spiritual realm of God. It's not some financial plan that somebody drew up and wrote down on a piece of paper. No, it's a blessing is a spiritual force that comes from the spiritual realm of God. And it's essential for marriage because marriage is a spiritual relationship and it requires faith for success. Marriage is not essentially a social relationship or a legal or contractual relationship. It's a spiritual relationship. There's a spiritual force holding a marriage together. When you, when you do not have eyes of faith, you see marriage as a social relationship or as a, or a social event, or you see it as a, as a legal relationship. The Bible says, let what God has joined together join together there's a force holding marriage together and it's the spirit of the living god it's the holy spirit of god most of us think marriage is just a piece of paper it's a contract it's it's a license from that state or whatever adam and eve violated the spiritual relationship and they traded the blessing for a piece of fruit and when the blessing of god left they were naked afraid ashamed divided condemned and alone so what makes marriage blessed is the Spirit of God on the marriage. And today, the culture you live in, there is, a, there is unbelief. Un- unbelief, a better, a better understanding of that is there's a mindset that does not believe in the unseen realm, and that mindset says, I'm going to only act on what I can see or touch. And if you have this mindset, I, I have a question for you. Have you not read the Bible? The Bible's the book that explains the invisible forces around you. The same Spirit of God that was hovering over the face of the waters in the Genesis is the same Spirit that God wants to put into your marriage. And when He does, that is the Spirit that causes everything to work. But it's an unseen Spirit. And you cannot be blessed when you're grieving that Spirit, when you're rejecting that Spirit. You're not going to be blessed. You can have all of the paper documents you want. You can have all these contracts on paper and what man says, what culture says, but you're not going to be blessed when you're grieving that Spirit. So if you don't understand what the Bible says about unseen forces, then you're going to miss it. And then we reduce marriage to a social or legal entity. And listen, and there are, and there are a lot of people listening to me, you, you know what it says. But you're not willing to walk by faith. You know what the Word says. You're not walking by faith and believe the Bible that, the, that your marriage is a spiritual relationship. We want it to just be a physical relationship. Or we just want it to be able to coexist and get along. So what happens if you don't have this unseen force? What happens if you don't have this spirit gluing or, or force in your marriage? Well, first, you cannot achieve true intimacy. The inner closeness and the depth of a relationship connects to the heart, the the spiritual heart. Spiritual heart is where the spirit and soul come together. It's not the physical heart that's pumping blood. 
Your heart spiritually is where your spirit man and your soul come together. And, and, and so inner closeness in the depth of a relationship, it connects to the heart. Sex is an expression of physical intimacy, but it's not intimacy. If it were, we would be the most intimate people on the planet, okay? But you, you can't be intimate, watch, unless the deepest part of you can be tr- penetrated, and the only person who can penetrate your heart is the Holy Spirit of God. It's not the physical, it's not in the soulish, it's in the spiritual. Yet, we're all driven people, and we're looking for something we can only find when the Spirit of God is in our marriage. If the Spirit of God's not in the marriage, what you're looking for, you're not going to find. You're going to substitute something else. And so, in the Spirit of God, when we allow the Spirit of God to penetrate our heart and to speak to us spiritually, then you can go deep with God and you can find everything you need to meet your deepest needs. Secondly, you cannot achieve true success. Without this Spirit of God holding it together, you can't achieve. You can have all the money, you can have all the wealth, all the land, whatever. There's never been a a nation in the history of mankind as prosperous as America. Yet two-thirds of all couples, both are working and bringing home more money than ever before, but people are stressed, frustrated, and in debt like never before. You can take and put as many things out there in your possession, but until something is in here, the Spirit of God, then out there doesn't, what's out there doesn't work. If the Spirit of God's not here, whatever you have out there is not going to work. You're still going to be empty. You're still going to be void. It's not going to meet the need. It's not going to be the physical. It's not going to be any of that. The the Bible actually calls this materialism. So let, let me say it this way. When God is blessing you and the focus of life is spiritual, that's what the Bible calls prosperity. We've come along with all these definitions of prosperity, but the Bible says, listen, God will bless you when the focus of your life is spiritual that I'm going to bless you. What does that mean? That means the Spirit of God is inside of my heart and everything about me is driven by a spiritual relationship. But when you're impoverished in your spirit, then you only see marriage as social or a legal, or a legal relationship and you're not honoring the Spirit of God among the two of you. So then what do you do? You think materialism or something on the outside is going to fulfill you. And, that, and that's why America, we, we have all these things. We're blessed and prosperous. Thank God for it. But we have all these things. Why? We're because we're, we're trying to fill something inside that's not going to be filled. Because Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. So watch. When you're full on the inside of the Spirit of God, then things are a blessing. When you're empty on the inside, there's no Spirit of God connecting to this, then things are a distraction or deceptions to you. So the first condition is an invisible force in your marriage called the Spirit of God. And if you host him and listen to him and allow him to be the Lord of your marriage, God's going to pronounce his blessing on every season of your marriage, every level of your marriage. So the first condition for blessing is respect for the spiritual nature of marriage. Here's the second one. Recognize God's ownership and authority. God created marriage. He has absolute rights over our marriage. If Jesus is Lord of your life and Jesus is Lord of your spouse's life, then he is Lord over everything. But, everybody say but, if we believe mankind, and our culture does, if we believe mankind created marriage, then we have rights over marriage. So if man created marriage, then let everybody get married to whomever and whatever. It doesn't matter who you are. Well, I believe God created marriage not mankind. I believe he created marriage, therefore he has all rights. 
Adam and Eve lost the blessing of God because they took control and ownership of their relationship. They rebelled against God, and they had no right to eat the forbidden fruit. Well, why? Why is this so important? Well, the psalmist said it like this in Psalms 24 and 1. The earth is the Lord's and all its fullness, the world and those who dwell therein. In other words, we're stewards. Look at me. We don't own anything. I'm I'm not my own. I'm bought with a price. And if you think you're an owner of what's in your house, the people who make it a home, then you don't understand God's ownership and authority plan. In America, we have, the, we have precious rights, and, and, and they're very important. But in the kingdom of God, you have no rights. Boy, does that go against the grain of our culture. Does that go against everything we've been raised and taught? Yes, because in the kingdom of God, you have no rights. You're owned by God, and everything we have is his. And listen, he's a wonderful owner, but we have no right of self-determination, no right to decide what to do. That's why we need to pray. That's why we need to pray as a couple. That's why we need to pray as a family. So God will tell us what to do, when to do it, how to do it, and where to go, because he owns the marriage. So a blessed family is simply a family that bows the knee to God and says, hey, you own it all. Dad, mom, the kids, the house, the finances, you you own it all. And you can be blessed every day. And listen, when he owns it all, nobody, no thing can curse you because you're walking under the divine blessing. But what happens if I don't do that? I'm glad you asked. Because then a spirit of control is present. And it's going to get graveyard quiet in here in just a minute. A spirit of control is present. The worst nightmare in marriage is when two rebels are married. In Genesis 3.16, the fall, God is talking to Eve. He says to Eve, your desire shall be for your husband. That picture of that word desire is a desire for control. Eve this is after the fall. They've lost the blessing. You're going to try to control him, and he shall, he shall rule over you. Yeah, you were helpmates and lovers and companions, but you didn't want to surrender your will to the Spirit of God. I mean, before there were two wills, but when you surrender to one will, that produces peace and unity and the power of oneness. But if you both rebelled against surrendering to one will, then there's going to be a battle because both of you want to be in control. Two people surrendered to God, then one will is controlling the relationship, and that's God's will. When two people share control with God, then success and satisfaction increases daily. When you do not give God control, it's a natural thing in a relationship to try to take control. It means two rebels are in love and you're going to have a difficult time until Jesus is the Lord of your marriage. You may have a marriage, you may coexist, you may make it through, but I'm telling you, the blessings are not going to be there. You haven't surrendered your will to God. You still each have your own will, your own agenda, your own checkbook, your own this, your own that. You're like you're living in the house and you're taking care of the, the natural and the soulish and the physical, but there's no spiritual here and God can't bless that. So guess what? Yeah, you're going to butt heads. Until Jesus comes. Are y'all breathing? So, the first condition for blessing is to respect the spiritual nature of marriage. The second is to surrender both of your wills to one will, and that's God's. Here's the third one. Commit to fulfill God's plan for your marriage. 
The third condition, commit to fulfill God's plan for your marriage. Marriage is, God, is God's holy institution, and he loves it. And God said that in the scripture in Malachi. You have a 100% chance of success in marriage. Everything in God's plan has a purpose. When he created marriage, he said, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, take dominion over the earth. He gave them a purpose. If God is going to bless your marriage, it has to fulfill his purpose. Adam and Eve were blessed until they aborted God's plan and purpose for their, own, for their own marriage. God created your marriage for a purpose. If you fulfill that purpose, you'll be blessed. Now, we, there's like three kinds of purpose. There's an individual purpose, and then, and then as a couple, you have a purpose, and then we all have a common purpose. So let, let me just explain that. For a common purpose is kingdom expansion. In other words, every couple, your, your, your purpose is to expand God's kingdom. Your marriage exists to help people come to Jesus Christ and salvation. It really does. But people see that. They, they see that picture and how, how you do. It, it draws them to that. Secondly is the image expression. We bear the image of God to our children. The number one influence of God on a child is not the church, but it's parents who, who are married and express the love of Jesus in their home. And listen, I, as a children's pastor for so long, I'd have parents come and say, will you teach our kids, can you teach our kids about sex? Can you teach our kids? No, I'm not their mom and daddy, that's you. I'm going to teach them who Jesus is and love Jesus and worship Jesus. That's on you. And so I, I could see parents just dropping them off, dropping them off. There's no God in their house. There's no God in their hearts. And they're just hoping the church will fix the gap. No, you have the most influence on that. You have it. But if you're both rebels and you have your own will and you're both in control, trying to control each other, then guess what? Kids are the victim of the conflict. So guess what? They grow up and they're going to reproduce that. So they're going to go into marriage and bless God, I'm going to be the man of the house and bless God, the woman said, I ain't letting no man run over me. And so what are you doing? You're just reproducing this generational thing. And God says, listen, I, I can stop all that. But you, you, you've got to let me in here. And, and, and listen to this. When it said, when the that, that the two be joined together and let no man, let no person separate. That word joined, the picture of that is, it, it, here's a good picture. It's like glue. It's like taking two warped boards, glue them together, put a C-clamp on it, and let it sit and see if the boards will straighten out. He's gluing you together because you're both messed up. And the glue is the Spirit of God because you went into a spiritual marriage to be glued together. And when you do that, He wants to bless that. When you're independent and you're trying to be two warped boards on your own, He cannot bless that. Why? Because there's power in oneness. There's power. The Trinity. It's three Godheads in one. The power of the Trinity is oneness. There is power in oneness when in your marriage is both of you are glued together and no man, not the daddy, not the mama, not, not the mother-in-law, nobody, no, no woman on the outside, no man. Let no man, let no person separate what I have joined together because I want to bless what I've joined together. Are y'all breathing? So you, you have a kingdom expansion, image expression, then you have character preservation. When we love each other properly, it keeps our godly character from decaying. The reason Adam and Eve sinned is because, watch, Eve is the helpmate. She became independent 
aborted her purpose in marriage. Adam is the initiator, initiator of the purpose. She's the helpmate for the purpose. He's the initiator of the purpose. He stands by and watches as Eve aborts the purpose. And because they would not fulfill their roles in the marriage, their character deteriorated. What did they do? They began to accuse each other. You, you ever done that in your house? You begin to point the finger of blame. You, 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 begin, you begin to show less respect. You begin to reject each other. When you're married according to God's plan, it preserves your character. L listen, maybe this will help you. God didn't make marriage to make you comfortable, men. <clears throat> God made marriage to make your character better. Good character makes a marriage a blessing. When you're blessed, you're comfortable. Are, are y'all understanding the words coming out of my mouth? All the men are holding their breath right now. Guys, you didn't get married for her to make you comfortable. And all the ladies said? God wants your marriage blessed. Well, pastor, how do I get the blessing? I think I'm right when I make this statement. I think all of us started with hope. Went through the, through the ceremony, said the vows. Hope says I want a happy marriage. Hope says I want harmony and understanding, romance, sexual fulfillment, sufficient finances, significance in our lives that they count. And then you go into life, and life comes back and says, all those things are unobtainable. Just do the best you can. If it doesn't work out, throw in the towel and get another one. Faith says, I can get you every one of those goals. But it comes through a step-by-step -step process that works over time. So hearing God's word gives me faith. It gives me the capacity to believe in the act and act on what God says. So if I want harmony and unity and peace in my marriage and my home, the irony is you don't get that harmony by chasing it. You get it by choosing to pursue the word of the living God and what it says. So yeah, you had this great hope that you can build a happy marriage and a great home, but we have forgotten that hope because we didn't build on the hope by adding faith to it. Hope by itself is, isn't substantial enough to build on. You have to take faith and connect it to hope to build on. Faith is believing what God says and applying that to my life. A lot of people say, oh, I believe the Bible. Yeah, I believe the Bible. But they're not living it out. They're not walking it out. So you, you take, you started with hope and God equips you with faith. Faith is what brings about the goals that hope set for you. You have to put your faith not in the culture, not in what this person said, not in what that person said, not on what some talk show said, but what does the Word of God say by the Spirit of God? And when the Spirit of God is shut up inside of me and I read from the Scripture what it says, the Spirit of God brings it to life and it makes it relevant in my mind. Now I know what I need to do. So, so listen, most of you probably have heard this verse in Hebrews 11.1, 1, but I'm reading to you from the Berkeley translation. Because, watch this word. But faith forms a solid ground. Remember, marriage is a, is a solid foundation. Mar and God wants it blessed. Faith forms a solid ground for what's hoped for. Man, I'm hoping for a good marriage. I'm hoping for a solid marriage. 
a conviction of the reality of things you cannot see. So what's the answer? Choose to be loyal to the condition. Choose to be loyal to the Word of God. Respect the spiritual nature of your marriage. Recognize God's ownership and authority in your marriage. Commit to accomplishing God's purpose for your marriage. But let me, let me land with this. Listen, today many people, they don't like the Word of God. They don't want it being imposed. They don't want it spoken around them. They don't even want you carrying a Bible. So watch. I'm going to show you a verse that's probably one of the most relevant 21st century verses in the Bible. It's that 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 3. Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition. That day means the return of Jesus. Falling away means apostasy. The man of sin means the Antichrist. So the Bible is saying before Jesus returns, there's going to be a mass falling away from truth. But our culture is in such a place. See, you can't fall away from something you've never believed in. A lot of our culture does not believe in the Word of God and what it stands for. Let me illustrate this. I can fall off this platform because I'm on the platform. You're not on the platform, so you can't fall off the platform. So what do we do? We have to choose. You have to choose the Word of God or the culture. And you go back and you study the fads and the trends of the culture of the last 40 years. You look at that roller coaster ride. You see where those people ended up. But see, it's easier to follow the fads and follow the culture. It's easier because the pressure of the culture, because we live in the culture. So it takes a different person to choose. No, I'm not following the culture. This is my marriage. This is my house. These are my kids. I'm not following the culture. I, I'm going to do what the Word of God says. I'm going to stand on, I'm going to choose the Word of God. So listen to it. I close with this scripture. It's Joshua chapter 24. He's got him into the promised land. And, and, and listen to what he said. It's such a parallel to where we are today. Now, therefore, fear the Lord. That word means reverence. Therefore, reverence the Lord, serve and worship, or worship. That word in the Hebrew, serve and worship, are the same word. So you can use it either way. Worship him in sincerity and truth. Put away the gods which your fathers served in the culture on the other side of the river in Egypt where you were lost and a slave before you got saved. Serve, worship the Lord. Verse 15. And if it seems evil to you to serve and worship the Lord, choose for yourself this day whom you will worship, whether the gods of your fathers served, your culture served, that were on the other side of the river, or the gods of the Amorites, the, God, the, trend, the trends of the culture come from the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but here's that statement Joshua makes. But as for me and my marriage, as for me and my family, as for me and my house, we will serve. We will worship the Lord and what he says. What am I saying? I'm saying it's time to choose, church. It's time to choose. Let me tell you why. Yes, judgment is coming, and so is the judge. And we've been living, watch, in the end times for 2,000 years, but we are the generation that is living in the end of the end times now. We will all be judged by what we choose. 
Not what you read, not what you think, not what this culture thinks and this politics. No, no, no. You're going to be judged by what you choose. If we don't choose God, our culture, then you really have chosen something other than God. And listen, listen to this. This, this, just, this is just in me. This just woke me up when I got this. Listen. You can't straddle the fence anymore. Hmm. Some of you straddle. Why? Because the fence is no longer there. There is no fence anymore to straddle. It's either God or it's a culture. It's either following what the culture says or it's believing in what God says. And this, this is what you have to choose. And Joshua's brought God's people out of Egypt, out of slavery, out of sin, to the promised land, the blessings. Our country's a blessed country for over 200 years because they came here to come to worship God. And he's saying to them, hey, it's time to worship God and put away the gods out of the culture of Egypt. You must choose. So he brought them into this promised land, the blessings. And he says, it's time for you to serve. It's time for you to choose. It's time for you to worship and put away the things in the culture. In other words, we have a choice. I can't make you. I can't manipulate you. I grew up in church where there was a lot of manipulation to make you feel bad and scare the hell out of you so you'd come to the altar and get saved so you wouldn't go to hell. That doesn't work. It doesn't take. Why? Because it's playing with your emotions. Your emotions are in your soulish realm. What does it take? It takes the same principle for salvation. It's your spirit man. If your spirit man is not born again, it's dormant. If it's dormant, you're living by the soulish realm. Your soulish realm is going to be attracted to the culture. It's why I need a spirit that's alive and new. And I'm telling you this. Yes, it's about your marriage, but it's even more so. Because if you don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, if that Spirit of God is not inside of you, listen, today is the day of salvation. You don't have any more time to put off. There's no fence for you to straddle anymore. I'm telling you that you need to come and make Jesus Lord of your life and stand up for what God says and believe in the Word of God. I don't give a rip what the culture says. I know, who I, I know who I am in Christ. I know what I believe in. And I'm not going to back up, slow down, sit and squat and give up on all of that because the culture and the trend is this and this. No, because there is a collision course with our culture, with Jesus. And guess what? We win. We're on the right side. And we're going to win because of Jesus Christ. And I'm going to stand true to that. I'm not going to back off of that. And I want you to make sure that you know that you know that you know that Jesus is Lord of your life. Come on, church. As for you and your house, and then your marriage, then your home, we're going to serve God. We're going to worship God. Lord, thank you so much for grace and mercy and love. But God, open our eyes to see the blessing that you want to pour out on us. Let us not be afraid of your spirit and the power of your spirit. Let it dwell inside of us in such an intimate way that we know the God of now. And we're not ashamed, we're not intimidated to stand up and say, as for me and my house, we're going to serve Jesus. We're going to worship the Lord. And we're not going to follow the trend of a culture. We're going to follow the word of God. 
which is going to lead us into blessing and prosperity and everything we touch will prosper in the marriage and the children the, the generations ahead we're, we're going to move forward with everything you have planned for the purpose of our marriage we ask it in Jesus name